Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Good morning to you. It is 830 on Monday, April 30th. I'm Jay White and for Desiree Frazier, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the legislative session comes to a close with another round of heated floor debate on House Bill 1020. Then residents of Rolling Fork weigh in on the president's visit. Plus, how students and administrators at South Delta are adapting to life after last month's tornadoes. That's all coming up this morning on Mississippi Edition right here on Think Radio. Good morning again to you. The Mississippi legislative session came to a close this past weekend, but the final hours under the Capitol Dome brought more heated debate over bills that would increase state control within the city of Jackson. Last week, the Senate advanced the conference report for House Bill 1020. Friday, the House took it up. Following a number of failed points of order, House Democrats took to the well to speak against the bill at length, saying it has racially, racially prejudiced undertones. Many acknowledge that minds or hearts in the chamber could not be changed, but they wanted to establish a record on the floor for litigation they're certain will follow. Minority Leader Robert Johnson of Natchez addressed what he says are glaring prejudices within the legislation. You get convicted of a misdemeanor and they're going to send you to prison. Now, everybody said lawsuit a couple of times up here. Yeah, and and I've had a colleague of mine tell me, well, you know how conservative the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals is. You'd be be good if you got a ruling out of that. But I'm going to tell you, there's nowhere in this country that there's a judge, I don't care how conservative he is, who thinks that a person who is convicted of a misdemeanor should go to prison. And this is the law we want to pass. This is what you stay here the last day of the session to pass a law to send people to prison for a misdemeanor. If it's a misdemeanor, you should not be sentenced to go to prison for a day. And anybody sitting here should be offended by that. Now I'm going to talk about something that you don't want to hear. The reason it bothers me so much, because I know how selective jurors can be, jurists can be. And see, I'm black. I know y'all can see that. And there's a jurist, there's a judge in this city that may be appointed by a CCID court that will look at me and say, maybe you need a night in prison. So when somebody black comes up and stands in front of you and sees a section in the law like this, they never think it's going to happen to you. I doubt if it ever happens to you. But I can guarantee you it's going to happen to somebody black. It's going to happen to somebody black because that's what happens. We still live in an inequitable society. We still live with prejudices. We still live with bias. We still live with things that people have in their minds, whether it's based on truth or not. And that's why you should write a law that does not provide an avenue for a person to decide things based on their prejudices. That, well, I was told, well, you know, they can do it, but they don't have to do it. All that means is somebody will do it. And all it means to me is they're going to do it to me and they're not going to do it to you. That's exactly what it means. Just like this law we're about to pass right now. 
You would do this to Jackson, but you would never do it to Pearl. You would never do it to Ridgeland. You would never do it to Madison. Not to, as long as you live would you do that. Because there's nobody in this state who is in a position of power would stand and watch you do it. But there's a judge that would send me to jail and would not send the Speaker Pro Tem to jail for the same crime. Most of the Jackson delegation has resisted House Bill 1020 through every step of the legislative process. That includes Zakia Summers. She still wonders why the sponsors of the bill won't take input from Jackson's representatives. They have frustrated us. They They have taken our attention away from what we should be doing as the Mississippi House of Representatives and as a state legislature, which is to support the people all across this state of Mississippi. We have beat up on Jackson so much this session that it really puts you in a, in a fight or flight posture. It almost feels like the state is being a bully on the city of Jackson. And I don't know if you've ever been in a bullying situation. I have. And when you're in a bullying situation, the only thing you can do is fight your way out of it. And that's what we've been trying to do. When, when the state says, we just want to help the city of Jackson, and the people who represent the city of Jackson say, we don't receive this as help, why is that not enough? Why do we have to prove over and over and over again that this is not the kind of help that we need? Republican Trey Lamar of Senatobia introduced the original bill, which has been revised many times throughout the legislative process. In a heated closing, he took exception to Democrats' characterization of the bill. So here we are again. Um, I get to respond to all that. And I'm, as I said two, as I said two months ago, now, gentlemen, I've got a right. If I got to sit here and listen to what I just listened to, I have a right as well. And I'm going to use it right here. Because guess what? I'm not the only, you ain't the only ones trying to make a record, gentlemen. I get to make a record too. Except my record is going to focus on the regular people of Jackson instead of the politicians that get in here and are more concerned about the politics of a number, 1020, than doing the right thing for the people who live outside these walls. And let me tell you what, gentlemen, you talked about being offended. I'm offended as well. And I have that right because my heart bleeds red just like yours. That's the only color that should matter in this building. If I have to stand here and listen to being called a racist because I'm trying to do the right thing, we're going to talk about the color that matters. And that's the red that flows in my veins and yours alike. Now, why am I offended? Because I know what you're doing. You get to make a record. You see, you're not the only one that works in a court system. If we were before a court system like you were making a record for, gentlemen, then I would make a motion to strike your argument because it doesn't conform to the proof before the court, gentlemen. Now, how do I show grace and respect to a gentleman who is my elder and a gentleman with such a distinguished career? as the representative from Madison and others. But this is his last day. And so I'm going to do just that. I'm going to show him grace, but I'm not going to take. In fact, I'm going to refuse 
to take the race-laced, unfactual rhetoric as bait that I've been asked to do. Because I understand what a record means, and I'm just not going to go there. Instead, I'm going to focus on the facts. And again, I'm going to focus on the regular people that live outside these walls. We're accused of not doing things for Jackson. Let me tell you, since I've been here, what we've done for Jackson. In the last eight years, 160 million. The House ultimately joined the Senate in advancing the conference report. It now goes to Governor Tate Reeves' desks. desk. Excuse me. It marked the end of a session many in the minority party say was exhausting and demoralizing. Our Kobe Vance spoke with Senate Minority Leader Derek Simmons of Greenville. Senator Simmons, I yes. wanted to start off. Tell us a little about what your thoughts have been in this past day or two. This has been one of the most uh, disappointing legislative sessions uh, of my legislative career. I've served for 13 years, uh, um, and I look forward to serving a fourth term in the Mississippi legislature. But certainly, um, if we could spend more time addressing the real concerns of Mississippians and working together, we would be a better state. Uh, I love Mississippi. That's the reason why I came back. But when you have 80% of Mississippians who truly want Medicaid expansion, 79% of Mississippians want our schools fully funded, which, again, this year we did not fully fund our schools. Um, Over 70% of Mississippians want the ballot initiative restored, and we don't take that up. But we spend our time creating a city within a city. And we spend our time uh, figuring out ways for people when they commit misdemeanors in the city of Jackson for them to be housed in prison. It was just one of the most disappointing sessions of my legislative career. I know we've seen a lot of different legislation come through, some that Democrats have opposed, uh, some that Democrats have been in support of. a couple of those that, I could, that come to mind. I know you mentioned that MAEP was not fully funded this year, but it did get support in the Senate this year uh, for the first time in a while. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get your thoughts on that, as well as a bill we've also saw come through and actually get signed by the governor now, which is postpartum Medicaid. Yep. Well, as, as it relates to education, we have an, an exceptional leader in Chairman Dennis DeBar in education. Uh, on the Senate side, and uh, our legislative leader, uh, Lieutenant Governor Delbert Holzman, the entire term, this entire term, they have pushed uh, uh, support for public education, and and I'm grateful, and and I joined them uh, in that support, and and and, and that's, that's a wonderful thing. Postpartum, the Senate uh, has also led that charge for the last three years, and we uh, are really excited that the House did, in fact, take it up. Uh, And the governor indicated that, you know, of course, that he was going to sign it before, of course, he actually signed the bill, and it became law. So those are two positive things of this legislative session that I am proud that I can go back and talk about in my district and in Delta. Um, but, but, but But there are also some things really, really disappointing. Looking back also on that, on that disappointed note, there a lot of concerns have been raised about the anti-trans legislation that was brought up, passed, and signed by the governor within just two months of the legislative session. Uh, it was one of the national Republican 
agenda items uh, where they basically took the legislation and went from state to state, and Mississippi was no different. Um, I don't know why, um, with the past that we have in the state of Mississippi, while we will spend any time trying to attack the most vulnerable population uh, in the state and also in the country. And so uh, it will, I would have loved to have not taken up that legislation and spend more time on the real issues affecting Mississippians because that is not an issue that we are dealing with in Mississippi at all. We want people to be fully engaged just as they were during the 90-day session. We have heard from so many people who want to try to save our rural hospitals. We've heard from so many constituents and so many voters who want Medicaid expansion, who want the ballot initiative, who want to fully fund our schools. We just don't want them to fall off now uh, in April. We want them to stay engaged, go to the polls and vote in August, and make sure they go to the polls and vote in November. And hopefully, when we come back in January, we have a more legislative body that's ready to represent the will of the people. Senate Minority Leader Simmons, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Again, that was Greenville's Derek Simmons, the Senate Minority Leader, with our Kobe Vance. Republican leadership is expected to offer a reflection of this year's session later today. Coming up, residents of Rolling Fork weigh in on the President and First Lady's visit. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's made possible in part by contributions from podcast listeners. Please consider making a contribution by going to the Donate Now tab at mpbonline.org. Thanks for your financial support. Welcome back. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. In for Desiree Frazier, I'm Jay White. President Joe Biden visited Rolling Fork last week to survey damage and visit officials following destructive storms that killed 21 people here in Mississippi. He and First Lady Jill Biden thanked volunteers for their efforts to bring a sense of comfort to the community. He also met with residents who were impacted by the tornado. While Rolling Fork prepared for the president's visit, Ty Pinkins and his family were out in mounds of rubble. Pinkins tells our Maya, Pinkins, excuse me, tells our Maya Miller that his family's lived in Rolling Fork for generations. This street is named Pinkins Road after our family. For nearly 100 years, this land has been in our family for all that time, and our family has lived here for the last 40 years, house by house by house. It's uncle, uh, cousin, grandparent, all the way down this row. The tornado came from the south, and this is the first community that it hit, and it wiped out every house on this street. 15 homes, about, what's that, 15 times, three, at least 45 people became homeless in an instant. And most of the people on the street were already living in poverty, so they didn't have much. So it took everything away from them that they had, not only their homes, the cars that they used to get to work, um, their furniture, but it also took away all the memories that our grandparents, our great-grandparents had passed down to us. Mm -hmm. And all the people you see walking around here right now, these are all family members, even him. <laughs> and is this, this is your family? This is my family. This is my family. This is, this is the Pinkins bloodline. This whole, all of this, this land right here belonged to our family for 
sent for for the last 100 years. Mm -hmm. And everybody just lost everything. And so tell me a little bit about what we're seeing right now, because this is just... I don't know if you can put this in the words. No, it's 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 uh, inexplicable. Right here, you're standing on my parents' lot where their house used to be. My dad is a a double amputee, blind, in a wheelchair, and a kidney transplant recipient. And I found him the next morning in the dark, along with my mother, who is also a kidney transplant recipient. At three o'clock after the, tor- the tornado hit, the house was gone, and I took them home with me. But that's, that story is similar to everybody down here. They found their relatives and took them to other places to live. But here, what you see is yesterday we had a family meeting because we don't live in the city limits. If you go into town, you will notice that they have heavy machinery moving around, moving stuff. We live maybe less than a quarter of a mile outside the city limits. So we don't, we're not a priority. So yesterday, my family and I, maybe like 40 people, 50 people, we got we had a family meeting and we decided that we were going to come down today and start cleaning our own stuff up. And that's what you see around here now. Kids from as young as 13, 14 years old to as old as 70 mm-hmm. sitting in their car and we're cleaning our own mm-hmm. our own stuff up to prepare to build back. And so, you know, mm-hmm. President Biden is visiting Rolling Fork. Yeah, so I, I understand that he's coming to town and I think it's, it's, it's uh, valuable that he, he has an opportunity to see what's going on, to see the devastation to see how it's impacted people's lives, but also an opportunity to see how Mississippi is a little bit different than what people from the outside view it as. A lot of times people think about Mississippi and they talk about Mississippi from a negative perspective, as though we're so divided from a black and white perspective. We're so divided from a Christian, non-Christian, Muslim, Jew perspective, that we're so divided uh, based upon uh, economic um, standing, whether you're wealthy, middle class, or poor. But what we've seen over the last few days is people come together. White people, black people, middle class, poor, rich, everybody come together to make sure that people are taking care of neighbor, um, helping neighbor, uh, neighbor feeding neighbor, making sure that people have clothing and people have um, the opportunity to pick up their valuable items in all of this rubble. So that, for me, that's the biggest message that's come out of everything is that Mississippians come together and we're we're not this net with this negative view that people paint of us it's inaccurate and i've always felt that way and so you know with president biden visiting today you know the news is here right now but as we know you know this is not something that's going to be resolved in maybe even a year yeah it's gonna take a while and so how do you feel you know looking forward uh, once you know, once you know, the media has moved out, and they've got more people coming in to sort of pick up and do the electrical and the the water service and stuff. Mm-hmm. How do you feel moving forward? Well, I feel like we got we have to stay engaged. We have to hold our elected officials accountable and let them know that we exist. We're here. This is the Mississippi Delta, and it's one of those those areas in the, in the, not only in the state, but in the country that often gets ignored. You know, whether that's regarding health care, whether that's regarding education, whether that's regarding housing, and particularly when it comes to low-income communities like this and low-income families, a lot of times the spotlight is there for a moment, and then people move on. Um, agencies, they move on. You know, leaders kind of move on. But we have to make sure that we stay engaged and let them know, no, this, this is not a, a sprint. This is a marathon. And these community members, they're going to need, need help for a long, long, long time to, to get their lives back together. And we're all Mississippians. We're all Mississippians. 
That's Rolling Fork native Ty Pinkins with our Maya Miller. Pinkins is a candidate for U.S. Senate in 2024. Coming up, how students and administrators at South Delta are adapting to life after last month's tornadoes. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. When you look at your vehicle, think of MPB. Need to get rid of your ride? Donate it by calling 877-MPB-4-CAR. Need to have some work done on your truck? Listen to AutoCorrect Thursdays at 10, Saturdays at 11. An MPB license plate reminds you that MPB is with you wherever you go. Go to your county office and ask for an MPB car tag. MPB and cars, better together. Welcome back. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. And for Desiree Frazier, I'm Jay White. Education spaces in Rolling Fork are taking on new roles as the town continues to recover from last month's devastating tornado. South Delta High School, which sustained some damage, is being used for laundry and showering services. South Delta Middle School is currently serving as a shelter for those affected by recent storms. Sam Matthews is the principal of South Delta High School. He tells our Lacey Alexander his students and his staff have a long way to go before things get back to normal. We did uh, receive significant roof damage on the high school, uh, but part of it has, you know, is operational. Uh, currently, we're not in school. Um, I did have several students to lose their parents, so I did reach out to them on their way of being, and so far, they're, you know, they're maintaining, they're holding up. I did have one of my uh, teachers to lose her mother as well. Has any of your staff lost their lives, to your knowledge? No, ma'am, but I did have four uh, teachers, including myself, uh, four teachers, uh, well, three teachers lost completely everything. Another teacher had significant damage, and I had significant damage to my house as well. Talking about the school, um, obviously this is going to be a really long process to get these students back in class. What challenges, I mean, obviously there's many, but what challenges do you and your staff face in trying to find a way and a date to bring these students back into the classroom? Uh, the main challenge is housing all the students who are, have been displaced, uh, bringing them back into the city. Um, I'm working closely with my superintendent, and uh, we're trying to come up with action plans to currently bring those students back and try to bring those students to some type of normalcy as well. Several uh, school neighboring school districts have reached out to me as well, you know, as far as housing and busing, things of that nature. So we're just thankful that everyone our neighboring school districts are rallying around us uh, in full support. And is the high school currently a shelter? Is that correct? Yes, the high school, elementary school, and the middle school, all three schools. And how long do you think that will serve as a shelter space? Now that I cannot answer, ma'am, but a lot of people are going to be displaced for a while. Okay, I got It's going to be a while before Rosen Fork get any type of normalcy again. Right, absolutely. So one last question for you. Educate our listeners on what your school and what your community needs most right now. That's a difficult question because we need to take a close assessment because I don't want to say, you know, exactly what students need. So I'm reaching out to students. I'm trying to email students. I'm trying to see exactly, you know, one one uh, our alumni association, they're giving out 
gift cards to family because we don't know all their sizes and things of that nature. So they just give family gift cards so they can go out and, you know, buy certain things that they might need. So um, we just need full support. And I do want to say this, it need to continue past a week or two weeks or a month. This is going to be a long road to recovery. So I appreciate everyone with their support. Um, I have several school districts trying to reach out through a prom for my seniors, um, help with graduation. So it's a lot of things in the uh, foreseeable future that we're going to need. But right now, I I just can't pinpoint just several things that we need. But some students need everything. Um, counseling, we have counseling available now, but it's just going to be a long road ahead. Yeah, yeah. That is Sam Matthews, the principal of South Delta High School in Rolling Fork.